Chapter 13. Daddy Issue. No, Anxiety. Adrian knocked on Professor Big's door. You asked to see me, sir? Good morning, Mr. Agrest. The professor gestured for him to sit, which he did, shuffling his legs to the side to accommodate his backpack. His fresh stitches shrieked in protest, and he squirmed to keep from giving the discomfort away. They were six weeks into the semester, and Adrian had yet to think of Professor Biggs as a person rather than an encyclopedia. Even his office was strewn with anatomy posters, most of them hung crookedly and without any thought of scheme or structure. Not unlike his suit, which was crafted of a burgundy velvet that highlighted his inflamed skin. Is this about the exam? he asked coolly, daring to rest his ankle over his knee. Professor Biggs rushed to finish sipping his coffee. A few drops splattered onto his white shirt. Indeed. Would you mind looking over it for a moment? He handed Adrian the stapled packet. Adrian nodded, features set in flawless contentment. Inside, he was a mess. Had he failed so miserably the professor couldn't hand it to him in class. It wasn't like anatomy was a necessary class for his business major, but he hated failure. Especially when he'd have to tell his father. There was a perfect 100 written across the top page in red ink. Adrian glanced up, careful not to let his shock slip through his defences. You passed with flying colours, said Professor Biggs. That's a real accomplishment, son, considering how difficult I made those exams. But I must say, I was concerned by your choice in major. Why? He sighed, leaning back in his chair and folding his hands over his massive stomach. I don't understand why a man of your caliber would waste his brains on business. Adrian fought the instinctual defense bubbling in his throat, the words Gabriel had ingrained into him. The only smart men are businessmen. If you don't know how to properly use your resources and retain the upper hand, you will go nowhere. I'm an aggressed, he began. The second I graduate, I am responsible for one of the most prestigious companies on the planet. I won't be seen as anything other than capable. I understand, but I'm going to insist you reconsider or, at the very least, fulfill the pre-med requirements. Professor Biggs pushed a pamphlet across his desk, which Adrian politely took. Glancing over it, on the other hand, made his resolve falter slightly. It wasn't that he didn't want to run his father's company. He'd spent too much of his youth modeling and learning the trade to give it up entirely, but there was so little reward in the fashion industry. Glamorous parties, phony relationships, everything rooted in the shallow and material Adrian wanted no part in that side of things. Economics and marketing classes wouldn't prepare him for the cutthroat nature of the industry. He didn't know if it was because of his alter ego's recent escapades or how far removed it was from the usual droll of his business-centric subjects, but Big's lectures had easily become the best part of his university experience. He learned how to deal with internal bleeding, how to tell when someone was on the verge of passing out, whether or not their spine had been damaged. All of which he needed to know if he was going to fully protect Ladybug, and the rest of Paris. Adrian tapped the pamphlet on the arm of his chair. I'm a good student, Professor. That doesn't mean I'm meant to be a doctor. Professor Biggs raised an incredulous eyebrow. 
You're already on track for pre-med with your math credits, and you'd only need to add a few more science courses to the rest of your schedule. And as much as I think you should pursue a career in the medical field, it's not a requirement. It can't hurt to give yourself the option. The medical field. Adrian couldn't think beyond the prospect, couldn't tear his mind from the idea. Because really, who wanted to be cooped up in a stuffy mansion, hiding behind lawyers and shady deals? If he was a doctor, he could genuinely help someone not to mention how valuable those skills would be in his work as chat noir. He shrugged and tossed the pamphlet onto the desk, his smile all practiced poise. I'll think about it. Take your time, but whatever decision you make, I ask that you stick with it, said the professor. Our STEM department doesn't tolerate lazy students. Adrian bit his tongue to keep from balking at the obvious challenge. Sure, he'd never been a math genius, but he aced that exam. He had as in every class, outstanding reputations with his other professors, and Professor Biggs thought he was lazy. He returned to grading papers, spectacles slipping precariously down his nose. I appreciate you stopping by, the professor said airily, his tone a clear dismissal. Keeping his movements leisurely, Adrian shouldered his backpack and stalked out of his office, the only sign of his agitation in the tightness of his fist. He didn't like being backed into a corner like that, forced to acknowledge the great divide between his familial duty and his heart. He hadn't voiced in he would never voice it but it was true. Plagg didn't speak to him as he wove his way through campus, wary of the waves of students leaving class. There were still a few quiet gasps scattered throughout, a few shouts of his name and requests for selfies. Adrian did his best to wave them off, flashing them the iconic model smile Gabriel had spent years refining. Sorry, I'm late, he called over his shoulder and surged through. He ended up taking the long, roundabout way to the library, just in case. Don't let it get to your head, Plagg muttered from beneath his shirt collar. Thanks for that, Plagg. Adrian didn't let on to the way his shoulders slumped in relief at the natural affection in his sarcasm. Their relationship had been strained in America, but now that Chat Noir was back, now that they patrolled together on a regular basis, Plagg was back in his element. Part of Adrian wanted to apologize to the Kwame, but the other part couldn't. America gave him the space he needed to come to terms with his father, and with himself. It provided a sort of clarity Paris never could have offered. America kept him sane. He found Nino and Olia in the basement of the library, cradling twin travel mugs. How are your fans, Mr. Agrest? Nino teased, jerking his chin at the sharpie marks on his sleeves. Raising his arms, Adrian dropped them with a huff. That's the second time this week. You should arrange a meet and greet. Olia said, thumbs flying over her phone screen. They'd get their autograph, and you'd get some peace. No offense, Olia, but you'd be a horrible celebrity. He flopped into the chair next to Nino, swinging his legs into his friend's lap. Unfazed, Nino laid his textbook across Adrian's calves and kept annotating. Olia dropped her phone in her lap and crossed her arms. And why's that, rich boy? Pulling out his notebooks, Adrian had to talk around the pencil wedged in his teeth. Rule number one of being a public figure, 
you don't give the people what they want. Even if they're nice about it. He grinned. Even if they begged for it. What about Ladybug and Chat Noir? Olia pointed out, taking a loud slurp of her coffee. A few heads popped out of the study cubicles in protest, and Nino stared them down until they lowered. Olia went on like nothing had happened, they give the people what they want. Unlike Adrian, those guys are fighting capitalism instead of benefiting from it, said Marinette, plopping down at their table with a coffee in hand. The thick sleeves of her sweater pulled around her wrists, her hair flowing in gentle waves across her chest. She smiled at them earnestly, and it almost made up for the stress hollowing her cheeks. Olia high-fived her, simultaneously shooting Adrian a glare. Be better. Adrian scoffed, but he couldn't tear his gaze away from Marinette. How long had she kept her parents' death a secret? How difficult was it to pretend like everything was fine? There was such silent strength behind her expression, such stubbornness. He wanted to cut through the lies right then, but there was so much at stake her trust and his identity. The best he could do was be there and hope she knew how much he understood. How badly he wanted to be there for her. How come no one bought me a coffee, he asked. Marinette cocked her head at him. You mean your cup of heated ice cream? He flung an offended hand in her direction. I'm going to pretend you didn't just insult white mochas, he said. It's not coffee. Neither is the motor fuel you choke down every morning. At least I can handle a bit of flavor. Burnt coffee beans aren't a flavor, they are sin. Nino lowered his pen, gaze darting sharply between Adrian and Marinette. Remind me again why you haven't joined the debate team, he said, brow flicking pointedly up at Marinette. Marinette slouched back, flipping open her textbook with a reluctant sigh. Their jackets are hideous. Adrian could only let the silence go for so long. What's wrong with them? The shoulder seams are off-center, said Marinette, and the stitching on the lapels doesn't match the cuffs whatsoever. Honestly, I don't know how the board hasn't thrown them in a trash compactor. She went back to her work as if she hadn't made a highly experienced observation, leaving Adrian's mouth slightly agape. He did a re-evaluation of her outfit, noting the calculated asymmetry of her top and the careful tailoring of her pants. Even her shoes, chunky and matte, made her image something to marvel at. Last night atop her rooftop, Chat hadn't truly expected her to come out. The moon was high, the hour was late, and he hadn't seen her in ages. It would have been reasonable for her to ignore him or send him away. But no, Marinette stitched him up. She tended to damage she had no part in causing, spoke to him like she would an old friend. She trusted Chat. Maybe he could show her the same. I think I'm going to go pre-med, he told her, the words rippling over the table with no way of taking them back. Marinette's gaze shot up to meet him, Olia's expression broke into a radiant smile, but Nino wrapped his hands around Adrian's ankles and yanked hard. Adrian slipped off his chair, grimacing as his stitches caught on the carpet bristles. No way, Nino was saying, barely audible through Adrian's haze of pain. No way our little Adrian is finally making his own decisions. No way. Can you let go of me now, 
he wheezed, then groaned when Nino dropped his legs. He laid on the floor for a long minute, staring up at the ceiling and trying to repress a laugh loud enough to rival Ulya's. Because Nino was the only one who understood the implications of his confession. Diverting from his father's path of business management, even as slightly as adding a few classes, was far from the pleasant, agreeable boy Gabriel had pushed around. He was growing up, and he was doing it outside of his father's reach. He pulled himself back into his chair, though his pencils and books were scattered on the floor. Don't blow it, Olya told him, only half kidding. Lips parted in shock, Marinette leaned forward slightly toward him. Her eyes shone. That's incredible, Adrian, she whispered. You're going to be amazing. Thanks, Marinette. It was the only thing he could think to say without giving away how he truly felt, the way her support both softened and paralyzed him. Then Adrian reached across the table and took a long swig of her coffee. It was the most disgusting thing he'd ever tasted, too bitter and too hot. It was worth glimpsing the flash of mild exasperation on her face, the irritation that she usually saved for chat. Chapter 14 in which the author has a hyperfixation on tattoos. Marinette scowled at the garbage blowing through the gutters, the reek of piss and alcohol ingrained in the foundations of the street itself. Since it was such a short distance from the harbour, Rudy Chas made its name as the primary scene for criminal activity. It offered a quick getaway down the river, should Ladybug and Chat Noir ever show up, and a great place for networking. She checked the address on her phone again, not daring to breathe. Here was the place, straight from Luca's Instagram bio, second skin tattoo and piercing. The building was clean enough, compared to the others, but Marinette had a hard time believing Luca had given up a life on the river, making music, to work in a tattoo shop. A shop in the heart of the crime district, no less. Summoning whatever courage she had left, Marinette pushed open the shop door. A bell jingled above her head, an ominous sound in the gloom. Sketches lined the walls, shadowed in the dim light swinging precariously over her head. It smelled of cigarette smoke and blood, neither of which she found very appeasing. A dark curtain separated the lobby from the rest of the shop, and when she made to walk further, it moved. Can I help you? Marinette squinted past the menacing front desk, almost too tall for her to see over. The burly man had his elbows braced on the counter, showing off years of faded tattoos. Most were harmless, but she recognized a few from the gang members she spent most nights monitoring. I'm looking for Luca Kufain, she said as steadily as she could. What's a little thing like you doing for him, he asked blatantly. Footsteps rasped from the back, and the black curtain was yanked to the side. The first man immediately stepped back letting Luca come into the light. His blue hair was the only thing about his appearance that hadn't changed. A web of intricate tattoos rose up his neck to curl around the side of his face, ending just above his eyebrow. Silver rings lined his ears, and there was one looped through his bottom lip. He circled the desk, coming to stop a mere feet away from her. Marinette Cheng, he murmured, an intelligent gaze sweeping over her features. What are you doing down here? The years had treated him well. 
After Julica and Rose left for a university in Spain, Marinette had mostly lost touch with Luca. It was only through the power of the internet she'd been able to track him this far. She went for a smile, and it came hesitantly. I heard you became a tattoo artist. What gave it away? He crossed his arms, revealing the detailed sleeves woven through his skin. Marinette realized with a start she hadn't planned it out this far. After she saw the blue snake stamped on Allery's crates, all she could think about was Viperion's Indigo Miraculous. But now, with Lucas standing right in front of her, the thought seemed ridiculous. Still, she couldn't just leave abruptly. The location of the shop was no coincidence if anyone suspected she was snooping, they wouldn't hesitate to silence her. She was thinking more of the man standing in the corner, watching her every move, than Luca. She laughed, and she'd had enough practice that it didn't sound forced. Do you run the shop, too? Shop runs itself, said Luca with a shrug. There's not much integrity in this part of town, and when it comes to stuff as invasive as tattoos, people want the best. I will provide. The message was clear, I'm not part of the area, I'm not a criminal, just a supplier filling in demand. Marinette wanted so desperately to believe him, but he shifted just enough to reveal the side of his head. There was a tattoo behind his ear, one barely visible in the gloom. She could make out the general shape of it, though, and that was enough to make her stomach drop. Do you accept walk-ins, she blurted out. A slow, knowing smile curved his full mouth. You want a tattoo? Maybe. She tapped a finger to her lips, aware of his stare tracking her as she glided to the edge of the shop to look over his designs. I've always liked tattoos, she said honestly, but it's hard to find a good artist. From the corner of her eye, she saw Luca flick his wrist, and the burly man slipped back behind the curtain. A shudder coursed through her spine, turning her mouth dry. Didn't know you were into that kind of thing, said Luca, slipping his hands into the pockets of his pants. Right, because she was a sweet marinette, afraid of needles marinette. It was hard to keep her identity straight, especially with how entangled it had all become. He was next to her, now, jawline tilted toward the wall. Are you looking for something specific? Something original, she told him. I know what it should feel like, but I'd need someone to work with me on it. Luca hummed, toying with one of his rings. If you're serious about something original, then I'd be happy to sketch something out for you, he said, his voice low and serious. Despite expecting his response, panic thrummed through Marinette. If she said yes to this, there would be no going back. It wouldn't just be Ladybug involved in the gang, it'd be Marinette, too. But maybe it was a needed sacrifice. What was the worst that could happen she could die? She had no family to mourn her, and Chat was more than capable of taking care of the city without Akumas. There was no downside apart from the time it would take to accomplish what she needed. To figure out what in the world Allery was up to. Would you? Plastering on blind smile, she clasped her hands together. I mean, I know we haven't talked in a while, but it would be great if I could get it done by someone I know. And I want to see your skills, she rambled, doing her best to adopt the personality of her teenage, 
bumbling self. Beneath the whirls of ink, Luca's cheeks darkened. Marinette was thrust back in time, to when he composed her a song and called her the most extraordinary girl in the world. But he wasn't that boy anymore, and she wasn't that girl. She ducked her head, taking the opportunity to examine the tattoos swirling down his arms. Most of them were nothing abnormal clocks and roses and the spare raven here and there but snakes wrapped around each of his forearms. Their heads laid on the backs of his hands, tongue flicked out to brush over his knuckles. Streaks of blue were scattered throughout the dark scales, adding an extra layer of artistry that the fashion designer in Marinette couldn't help admiring. Tell you what. A dimple pressed into one of his cheeks. Come back this time tomorrow, and we'll have a brainstorming session. You tell me what you want the piece to feel like, and I'll run some designs by you. Marinette nodded, trying to convince herself this was the only thing that might work, the only way to understand what was about to go down. Sounds perfect. Luca walked her to the door, digging his phone out of his pocket. Let me give you my new number. Her shoulder pressed deliberately into his elbow, she opened her phone and fixed his contact information. Mine hasn't changed, she said softly, her voice almost unrecognizable. It dipped into the tones of sultry, almost, but it had to be done. She had to know. Coyly, she reached up to push a strand of his hair behind his ear. Luca went deathly still, lips parted in shock at her boldness. But Marinette was only focused on the skin behind his ear, the blue serpent coiled against his skin. The same serpent stamped on the underside of Allery's crates. I like the piercings, she murmured, releasing him in the same breath. Forcing herself not to bolt, she stepped outside and headed swiftly up the street. The cold lashed at her face, and she focused on the sensation. Focused on the stones beneath her feet, the clouds overhead, the sparse trees whose leaves had already started turning red and orange. Anything but what had occurred in that shop. She didn't want to involve anyone else in the situation, especially not old friends, but it was inescapable. Luca clearly knew something, and Marinette needed to know what it was. No more parents would beg her to find their children, and no more children would have to endure that sort of unending fear. Finding those girls had zapped the fight out of her. She was already beaten and weary from trying to get to them, and hearing their pleas of mercy when she wrenched open the doors had devastated her. It's me, she told them, calling on whatever energy she had left to remain in character. It's Ladybug. You're safe. And the way they'd thrown themselves on her, as though she was the only thing in the world they could grasp, resharpened her sight. The task was Paris, the mission was its people. Her life was Paris, and she needed to keep that at the forefront of her mind. Holding those two girls was the worst thing she'd ever experienced, and she wanted nothing in the future to come close to rivaling it. Even if it meant deceiving a friend, it was worth it. Her phone rang, and she frowned at the screen. Olya was calling. Olya never called her. Hello? Thank God, hi Marie. She was unusually out of breath, her tone void of composure. Marinette instinctually quickened her pace. Okay, so, um, I'm not a hundred percent sure but I think I might have had a panic attack. 
or something? Like my face went numb and I couldn't stop crying and I just lied on the floor for an hour dash. Are you in your dorm? Olya laughed, high and reedy. Yeah, but I really want to get off campus. Can I come over for a minute? Spend the night, Marinette said without thinking. Because there was no thinking to do Olya needed space, she had space, it made sense. Why was the campus so far from Rudu Chas? We can call in some Thai food, and I'm sure we've got eclairs leftover from today. Do you want Nino or Adrian to walk you over? No, no I can do it. Just, can you stay on the phone? Marinette skipped the metro station stairs three at a time, sprinting for the line home. Yeah, yeah of course. Do you want to talk about it, do you want me to shut up, what can I do, she said, feeling more out of control than ever before. If it were her choice, she would transform, but that would mean hanging up on Olya. She was stuck as Marinette, trapped in normalcy. Tell me about your day, said Olya. Marinette jumped onto the metro a split second before the doors closed, ignoring the indignant gasps of the other passengers. Well, classes were pretty dull as per usual, but I got a pretty okay grade on the last quiz. It took an eternity to get back to her apartment. While she talked to Olya, she swept the dirty clothes into a corner, the dirty dishes into the sink, yanked a pile of blankets down from the linen closet. It had been years since she'd had a guest, and she wasn't entirely sure how to act. She tried to think what her mother did when guests came over. Usually Sabine took their coats, then offered them a drink and a snack. Right, Marinette had to order food. She pulled up her laptop, doing her best to keep talking as she placed the order. She forgot to check on the girls in the bakery, and on a Friday, too. What if they needed something, or had a question for her that she hadn't answered? Still on the phone, she rushed downstairs and into the kitchen. There was some dough in the industrial kneader, a few dozen rolls baking in the ovens. A wave of nostalgia hit her like a brick, and she turned, expecting to see her father squeezing through the door. Saha, the first employee she hired, looked back at her, red-faced but smiling. Oh, hey, Marinette. Do you need something? Marinette pulled the phone away from her mouth and said, no, just wanted to check on you guys. She followed Sarah to the front of the bakery, listening absently to Olya talk about her classes. If not for the fact she had a bakery to run, she might have felt guilty. But Olya was rambling, easy and thoughtless. She needed an outlet, not necessarily an active listener. The decor in the cafe hadn't changed one bit. The walls were a faint pink, the tables and chairs are lovely, lattice white, and the stream of customers never-ending. Marinette made a beeline for the pastry case, checking and double-checking that they had enough. Really, we're all right, said Sarah, placing a soothing hand on her shoulder. The tasks are done for tomorrow, Emily's got the till sorted, everything's fine. Sarah's voice turned squeaky at the end, and she clapped a hand over her mouth. Marinette followed her stare to the front door, a deep sigh caving in her chest. Adrian Agrest was, of course, walking into her bakery. And, once he spotted her, making his way to the front counter. 
At her side, Sarah was a flushed mess, as was Emily behind the till. They were both still in high school, it was to be expected. Marinette, on the other hand, was the picture of indifference. Didn't expect to see you here, she said. Wish I could say the same to you. He raked a hand through his hair, the strands turning gold in the sunlight. He wore a high-collared jacket and scarf taken straight from the closet of aggressed fashion, looking every bit the off-duty model. Combined with his tall, broad build, Marinette could understand how her employees were so smitten. What are you doing with your weekend? she asked, mildly annoyed at how composed he looked compared to her worn sweater and jeans. Probably relax a bit, he admitted, and there was real exhaustion in his voice. Honestly, a nap sounds like a treat right now. Done serving the last customer, Emily motioned him over shyly. Anything else we can treat you to? Quick as a flash, Adrian's fatigue was replaced by a charming countenance. A pain AU chocolate, if you wouldn't mind. He reached for his wallet, and Emily took the chance to shoot Marinette with a look of utter elation. It was like a slap in the face. Not that Emily meant anything by it. She was a kid with no responsibility outside of her job and her schoolwork. She'd probably never seen a dead body, never had to figure out how to close up a bullet wound without alerting her sleeping parents. And if Marinette had anything to say about it, Emily never would. Was it wrong to be jealous of the girl's blissful ignorance? Marinette? I'm here. Startling at the sound of Olya's voice, Marinette waved a hand over her shoulder. You girls better make Adrian pay full price. No pretty boy discounts, she said before rushing for the door. Olya was waiting outside her apartment, wrapped in a fleece blanket. Marinette immediately enveloped her in a hug, pressing her face into her shoulder. Dude, really, I'm fine, Olya managed. Marinette knew better than to correct her. Both of them knew the truth, even if Olya didn't want to speak it. Thanks for calling me, said Marinette, ushering her quickly inside. I've got the food on the way, Netflix on the TV, ice cream in the freezer whatever you need, you got it. Settling herself on the couch, Olya glanced around. Where are you parents? Marinette shook off the absolute gut punch her question produced. Travelling. I think they're in Spain right now. Eager to get away from the topic, she collapsed onto the cushion beside Olya. Can you, do you feel comfortable telling me what happened? Olya's throat bobbed. Carefully, like it might explode at any moment, she placed her phone in Marinette's lap. I think it was a one-time thing, she said slowly, toying with the hem of her shirt. I was already stressed with exams, and then I got the email. Can I see it? Olya nodded, and Marinette unlocked the phone. The email was already open, a simple two lines of text in the body, nothing in the subject line. It was the blue snake printed in the signature box that made Marinette's heart rate spike. I guess Ladybug and Chat Noir are getting close to something big, and the only person they can attack is me, she said, talking like an investigative journalist and not like a woman who just received a death threat. I'm not too concerned by it. Marinette flicked her eyebrows up. Really? Olya's hesitance was all the answer she needed. 
The fact that her friend was involved made everything a million times worse and a million times more important. Now it wasn't just the city at stake, it was Olya, and then it would be Nino, and then Adrian anyone outwardly close to Ladybug, or siding with her. Allery and his goons wouldn't stop until they controlled the entire city. They won't get you, said Marinette. Ladybug won't let them. Again, Olya nodded. Her hands were shaking, and she twisted them into her blanket. Marinette was going to kill Luca. Chapter 15 Best Intentions The croissant was just as perfect as Adrian remembered, light and fluffy, the chocolate perfectly distributed throughout the pastry. He wasn't quite used to eating with two girls staring at him, though. How do you know Marinette? asked the first girl Emily, if her name tag was anything to go by. We were classmates back in secondary school, he explained, licking croissant flakes off the end of his finger. It wasn't proper manners, but there was no other way to eat it. Now we're both studying at the university, so we've been close for a few years. The other girl, Sarah, blinked. Yes? A gust of wind blew in from the street, the sound of Chloe's heels filling the cafe. Evening, girls. How's the day been? Then she saw Adrian and did a double take, hand flying to her hip. What are you doing here? Behind the counter, the girls flitted through the rows of bread and pastries, packaging an order they clearly had memorized. Adrian stuffed the last of the pain AU chocolate into his mouth, weighing the situation. He hadn't seen Chloe since his first week back, and he doubted she remembered much of the encounter. She was his friend, sure, but he enjoyed spending his time with Nino, Olya, and Marinette more than his time with her. She was an old friend, but that didn't mean she was a good friend. Stopped by for a snack, he said evenly. How have you been? Oh, you know, same old, same old. She tossed her hair over her shoulder with a huff. Le Grand Paris is still standing. Daddy dearest is still in office, life in the city is still irrefutably boring. But now that you're back, maybe that can change. Adrian fought the urge to cringe away from her, his chest seizing up at the insinuation. While he didn't mind Chloe's company, he also didn't want to waste what little free time he had on her. Chat Noir's patrols and his classes kept him busy enough as it was. He also wasn't particularly interested in getting back into his father's old crowd, and that included Maya Bourgeois. Once the goodies were packaged, Chloe handed Emily her card. Adrian marveled at how little she looked down on the girls, how familiar she seemed with the place. Did you and Marinette get close while I was gone? Chloe whirled on him, eyes narrowed in suspicion. Me and Dupain Cheng? Honestly, Adrikins, did university rob you of a brain cell? But he'd already seen the protective way she bristled at the question. She cared. He raised his hands in mock surrender. My mistake. It's not my fault her patisserie is the best in Paris. Of course not. And with how much she leaves her workers alone, someone has to make sure they're still alive. She froze, clearly reconsidering her statement. For Chloe, it almost sounded like she was affectionate of the girls, and judging by the admiration in their eyes, they knew it, too. 
Adrian wiped his hands on a napkin and stood to throw it in the bin. All right, I'm off. It was good to see you, Chloe. Before he could leave, she stomped to face him, arms crossed tightly over her cashmere sweater. It's a Friday night, she said, disgusted, and you're planning on spending it at home? Plague's teeth scraped sharply through his pants pocket, and he repressed a wince at the warning. Yes, I'm going to bed. The words came too carefully, and Chloe's lips twisted into a smirk. If I need a drink, then you definitely need a drink. She handed him the bags of pastries, which he instinctively took. He could feel himself slipping back into his old ways, slipping back to Chloe's friend and Plague's enemy. The Kwame hadn't stopped biting at his leg. Adrian stopped feeling it. They dropped off the pastries at Le Grand Paris, barely pausing before Chloe led the way to Piggle, the only strip of clubs that were worth their time of day. As expected for a Friday night, the base was already pounding, the gutters gleaming with a mixture of different drinks. Plague was practically gnawing on his hip bone, but Adrian couldn't focus on anything but his surroundings. A part of him knew it was a mistake to follow Chloe this far, to give in to her confidence and bravado. When they were kids, her fearlessness was a wall for both of them to hide behind. They could do whatever they wanted, and no one aside from their parents could stop them. It was only when Nino came into the picture that Adrian realized life was more about character than power. But Chloe's power was as intoxicating as ever, especially when she handed him a drink. To many more, she said, clinking her glass against his before raising it to her lips. Plague's teeth turned sharper, but the drinks got stronger. Soon he wasn't aware of anything beyond Chloe's shrill voice and the wave of shame swelling in his gut. The number of drinks was the only thing he could judge the time by, and at eight, Chloe tucked him onto the dance floor. Then they were dancing, and still drinking, and everything was exhilarating but nothing was right. By the twelfth drink, someone had their elbow hooked in his. How the hell is he so big, groaned Olya, heaving him toward the edge of the dance floor. Adrian tried to blink the fog out of his vision, but the cloud of inebriation refused to dissipate. Chloe was beside him, held upright by a pyjama-clad marinette whose expression never strayed far from concern. Then it settled on Adrian, and it was sheer frustration. When they were finally beyond the mass of sweat and drunkenness, Marinette held her hand toward Olya. Look, you take her, I'll take him. Olya gave a relieved sigh, gladly passing Adrian over. Marinette stumbled slightly under his weight, but regained her balance almost instantaneously. Studying her face, Adrian finally understood why Chloe had her phone out on the dance floor. M. Fine. He tried to push her away and failed miserably. Her arm was iron around her waist, her side glued to his. I'm so sorry about this, Olya, he heard her say. It's really fine, Olya responded, hauling Chloe completely over her shoulder. The blonde shrieked, but Olya held firm. Besides, I was the one who insisted I come with you. They made their way out the door, Marinette waving at the bouncers on the way out. Taking two tonight, one of them said, his smile too kind and too directed on Marinette. You're getting greedy. Adrian lurched forward, teeth bared, before Marinette managed to yank him backward, 
Leave her alone, he said, the power in his voice decimated by his insobriety. Sorry, Marinette called over her shoulder, walking him faster down the sidewalk. The moon was high and full, shining palely in the distance. Adrian was so focused on it that he didn't hear Marinette talking to him until they were halfway down the block. What's gotten into you lately? she demanded. You need to figure out your priorities before you do something you'll regret. Olia hummed her agreement, coming up alongside them with Chloe limp across her shoulder. She didn't look like she was struggling to carry her, but her hands were shaking, her eyes darting incessantly up and down the street. Who are you looking for? asked Adrian. Olia sucked in a breath through her teeth, gaze jumping to Marinette. No one, said Marinette. Now keep quiet, I don't want any press hearing you. Truthfully, he hadn't thought of that. You're such a good friend, he sang. Shut up. She dug her nails into his ribcage, and he obliged. By the time they reached Le Grand Paris, Chloe was passed out. I've never been so happy to see this place, Olia declared, dumping Chloe into the waiting arms of the doorman. How do you do this every night? It's not every night. Whatever Marinette was about to say got cut off by gunshots echoing down the street, screams and the squeal of tires. She gasped, squeezing Adrian tighter. Olia, take Adrian and get inside, she said, impossibly calm. What are you talking about, we're all getting inside, snapped Olia, but Marinette was already shoving Adrian into her hold. It took Adrian a second to process what was going on, why Marinette was crossing the street, but the second he did, he broke away from Olya. Murray, come back, he yelled, stumbling into a shaky run. He caught her wrist, forcing her to turn around. Let go, she barked. Get inside. No. That place is a war zone, you'll get killed. You're hurting me, let go. Adrian shook his head, yanking her toward him. Olya needs you, get inside. She staggered backward, pulling desperately away. Adrian, let me go dash. Get inside, he roared. The street echoed with his voice, the sheer force of it pounding through his blood. He never raised his voice so loudly, but he'd also never felt this kind of fear. The alcohol coursing through his system didn't help things. The alcohol. Adrian dropped her hand like it burnt him, the fog clearing just long enough to glimpse the terror behind her eyes. How could he have been so stupid? Every time, every time he knew he'd regret drinking, and every time he did it anyway. And now Marinette was on the verge of tears, she'd never forgive him. Adrian didn't expect her to, but he also needed her to listen. He needed her to stay alive. She bit her lip and glanced in Olya's direction. Adrian hated the way she was rubbing her wrist, hated that he was the reason for it. Please, he breathed. Just, please get inside. Still massaging her wrist, Marinette nodded. Okay, come on. Adrian didn't touch her on the way across the street, though it was an effort not to trip across the stones. Olya hugged Marinette tightly once they were inside, glaring daggers at Adrian over her shoulder. The doorman cleared his throat. 
We have rooms available for shelter in the basement, until Ladybug and Chatmoir come to deal with those ruffians. Adrian's heart sank even further at the mention of his alter ego. On one hand, someone needed to respond to the situation, but on the other, he couldn't tell his left from his right. He knew better than to transform intoxicated again though it pained him not to be able to protect Ladybug. Olya scooped up Chloe, and the five of them followed the doorman's lead. Marinette picked at her nails on the way down the underground stairwell, her attention bouncing between Olya and the floor. I have to use the bathroom, she told the doorman. While he escorted her to the toilet, Olya laid Chloe on one of the plush beds. A few more gunshots popped outside, and Adrian flinched. Go to sleep, Olya told him, scowling as she pushed him onto a couch. You better be ready to apologize in the morning. I didn't mean to. Doesn't matter. That Dell is too kind for you to treat her like that. If you want to be a part of our study group, you need to fix whatever's going on with you. Adrian laughed hollowly. Whatever's going on with me? You're losing your investigative touch. Olya wrapped her arms around herself, throat bobbing. Don't insult me. You and I both know what you're doing, and tonight better be the last of it. If you need to talk to someone, or, or talk to Nino, you can always call. There are plenty of people willing to help you. But don't just sit around and expect this to miraculously go away. He wanted to tell her she didn't know how it felt, wanted to tell her she didn't understand the depth of what he was dealing with. His father, his father's business, the fame that would never go away he was a ticking time bomb set to blow at any moment. The way Olya spoke to him, though, made him think he'd already exploded. And that he had a lot of debris to start cleaning up. I didn't mean to, he said again, softer. I know, Adrian, Olya sighed. Maybe that's the problem. Chapter 16, How Dare You Try to Help When Marinette got back, favoring her right leg heavily, Olya was the only one still awake. Girl, you took forever. She frowned at her limp. What did you do to yourself? Hit my knee on the sink, said Marinette. The lie was alarmingly easy. Are you ready to head back? Unless you want to spend the rest of the night in this creepy dungeon of a room. Olya waved her hand toward the two blondes in distaste. I don't know how you do this so often. It's hard to breathe the same air as these two bozos, let alone deal with their shenanigans. Especially Adrian, throwing himself around like that. Marinette guided Olya out into the lobby, the doorman giving them the unnecessary all-clear to head home. Usually it's just Chloe, she said. Doesn't she have people to take her home, asked Olya, eyebrows raised incredulously. Guess she prefers my company. She rubbed a subtle hand down her thigh, soothing the twinge in her muscle. No bullet wounds tonight, thank goodness, but one of the gang members had landed a solid hit on her leg. No civilians were hurt, and that's what mattered most. They had to walk past the police tape on the way home, and a fist of ice gripped Marinette's stomach at how sickeningly ruined the street was. Bullet holes in the sides of townhouses, mom-and-pop shops, family homes. The gangs had never been this bold, this blatantly destructive. Granted, the shootout had been a gang war, 
so it was reasonable to think it hadn't been planned, but there was no excuse for shattering Parisians' safety like this. No excuse for causing this much devastation. She held her breath as they passed the cop car. The officers were still pushing offenders into the back seat, and she hunched her shoulders as if they'd recognize her. Olia clicked her tongue. I hope someone got pictures of Ladybug in action. I don't have much for this week's Ladyblog article. If by an action Olia meant barely keeping from getting shot, then sure. Ladybug had forgotten the chaos that came from fighting off so many people, especially those wielding guns. She hadn't even had time to call chat, though in the back of her mind she was praying he'd show up. He hadn't, of course, but she was used to making up for his absence. The strangest part was winning. There was no one to share her victory with her, no one to tap their fist against hers and exchange looks of mutual weariness. As soon as they got to the apartment, Olia curled up in her bed. Sleepy time, she told Marinette sternly. She rolled her eyes. Let me brush my teeth first. You better get in here straight afterwards, said Olia. It's like 3 a.m., and I am not dealing with zombie Marinette in the morning. With a sound of agreement, Marinette closed the bathroom door. Wake me in an hour, she murmured to Tiki, getting out her toothbrush and toothpaste. The little Kwame rubbed her eyes, settling down on the countertop with a heavy sigh. If you insist. Olya was asleep by the time Marinette returned, and Marinette was asleep the second her head hit the pillow. No time passed before Tiki was shaking her awake, mouth pursed in concern. In the beginning, it took a lot of coaxing to get Tiki to wake her up at all hours of the night, but it was a necessity. Between the bakery, university, and her vigilante work, she didn't have much time for sleep. Since she only spent two hours in bed, her first order of business was brewing a strong pot of coffee. Then it was rolling out the dough, sliding sheets of pastries into the oven, decorating cupcakes, and lining the pastry case all so she could open at 7am on the dot. A good amount of the bakery's business came from tourists, and a good amount of tourists came on the weekend. Sundays were the exception a rule Marinette's parents instituted at the very beginning, and a rule she was adamant about not breaking. Most of their customers knew it, too, and respected her all the more for keeping the original hours. She was on her fifth mug of roasted goodness by the time Adrian Agrest walked in the door, his normally warm expression bleak. He ignored the till in favor of moving directly toward her, stabbing the towel with every step. Marinette braced herself for whatever excuse he might come up with, whatever money he might wave under her nose to keep her quiet about last night. As a kid, Adrian would never pull the rich card, but as an adult, Marinette wasn't sure what to expect. Do you have a minute to talk, he asked, hands braced pleadingly on the counter. She jerked her chin toward the obvious lack of customers. You've got until someone walks through that door. He scanned the area behind her, frowning at whatever he did or didn't see. Where are your employees? Shrugging, Marinette came around the front to wipe the condensation from the pastry case. It's the weekend, they're kids. We close early, anyway, so I give them the day off. Shouldn't you give yourself a break? too. Her glare was impossible to repress.
This is a patisserie, not a world-class fashion empire. What did you need to talk to me about? Adrian swept wet hair off his forehead, and Marinette caught a whiff of expensive shampoo. I wanted to thank you for last night, he said carefully, every word deliberate. Marinette felt her coldness falter slightly. She'd never seen him like this shaky, unsure of himself. But more than that, I wanted to apologize. You shouldn't have had to deal with me like, like that. I yelled at you, and made you feel horrible, and I'm truly, truly sorry. You didn't make me feel anything, she said automatically, her posture stiffening defensively. I wouldn't have dealt with you if I wasn't capable, and you didn't make me feel horrible. You were drunk. You did what drunk people do. A muscle ticked in his jaw. That's still not okay. I shouldn't be I don't want to be drunk. Could have fooled me. He flinched like she struck him, but Marinette didn't regret a word. If he didn't want to be a drunk, he didn't have to be. If he wanted to turn into Chloe, living off of daddy's money and drinking herself into oblivion, he could. If you don't want to get drunk, don't get drunk, she told him. It's as simple as that. She really shouldn't even be in the situation. Whatever was going on with him since he got back, Adrian needed to deal with on his own. They were in the same study group, sure, but they weren't exactly close. It was pure coincidence he was there when she went to pick Chloe up pure coincidence and nothing more. What she couldn't understand was why he was trying to make it up to her of all people. Adrian's shoulders were slumped, the torment etched in the lines of his face. Why was he so beat up about this one encounter? He drew in a deep breath and fixed her with a long, searching gaze. So, you're fine about the whole thing? I'm fine, she said. And you don't think my actions were wrong? I told Chloe to call me if she needed a walk home, I chose to take you with me, and I chose to go back to the hotel when you asked. Adrian winced. I didn't ask, I yelled at you. As drunks usually do. She shrugged, brow raised in complacency. Seriously, Adrian, I don't need to be a part of whatever pity party you're throwing for yourself. I'm not, doing that, I just wanted to check in on you, try to apologize. Now he was looking at her with something akin to alarm, the hard set of his jaw unyielding. I found your parents online. She sucked in a breath. Okay. I found their obituaries. Her heart dropped down to her toes, a cold chill settling over her skin. Now she understood the uncertainty shining behind his pine-green eyes, the way he shifted his weight incessantly. Those obituaries were supposed to be buried beneath mountains of data, they weren't supposed to be available to the public. But Adrian knew, and he was worried. He knew. Marinette shook her head slightly, just enough for Adrian's frown to deepen. Do you expect me to thank you for snooping around in my life? Just because we share a few classes doesn't mean you have any right to my issues. Her mouth parted in a humorless laugh. Is that why you're here? You wanted to check in on the orphan girl who has to run her dead parents' bakery. Stop pretending I'm the only one you've left out of the loop, said Adrian tightly. Olya and Nino don't know, and neither do the rest of your friends. You're working yourself to death, Marie. 
The only reason you don't pass out every five seconds is because of the obscene amount of caffeine you drink. Eyes blazing, Marinette set down her mug, and a bit of coffee sloshed over the edge. You don't know me, she snapped. You can't leave for a whole summer and come back expecting everything to be like it was. Because really, Adrian, why'd you go out with Chloe? When we had that study night at your house, why'd you tear apart your pantry? You want to talk about my parents, fine let's talk about your drinking, too. Her chest was heaving by the end, throat clogged with too many emotions to name. Adrian, to his credit, wasn't taken aback. It was almost like he'd expected it needed it. What will it take, he asked quietly, leaning ever so slightly into her space. I want things to go back to normal between us, I want to get to know you again, not this facade you put up for everyone. What will it take? She stared up at him, desperately clinging to the anger in her chest to keep from softening. His words were too genuine, his expression too open. He was lost, yes, but it wouldn't take much to send him back on the straight and narrow. Wouldn't take much for him to escape his issues. Hers, on the other hand, required a lifetime of fighting. The bakery, Paris, the memories that kept her constantly on edge. She wasn't selfish enough to drag him, or anyone for that matter, into that hellish future. I don't know, she said. Water dripped from Adrian's hair onto his shoulders, darkening the grey overcoat. She dropped her gaze to that rather than endure his agitated expression. She wasn't used to this much focused attention. Sure, Ladybug was constantly on the other end of a camera or smartphone, but not Marinette. Adrian seemed adamant to keep her in his sight, as though if he looked away, she would disappear. It made her squirm. Reluctantly, she nodded to the rows of bread, donning her emotionless customer service voice. Do you want some breakfast? She checked the clock and corrected, or lunch, I guess. I've kept you long enough, he said, though his lingering gaze implied otherwise. He left without another word, the tails of his scarf flapping frantically in the wind. Marinette did her best not to watch him through the windows, but she couldn't help it. The moment he was outside, his lips instinctively tugged into his model smile, pleasant enough to avoid the attention of paparazzi, and nothing like the defiance in his expression last night. Her fingers instinctively went to her wrist, the pain long since gone. Olya came down a few minutes later, wrapped in a blanket and squinting in the bright lights. How long have you been up? she groaned, voice hoarse with sleep. An hour or so. Marinette took a long sip of her coffee, swallowing back the lie. Soon the bakery was closed, Olya was on her way home, and Marinette was catching the metro to Rue du Chasse. Her leg bounced incessantly on the train floor, and she had to sit on her hands to keep from biting her nails. She didn't know what she was doing, her story wasn't convincing enough. Then again, maybe that was a good thing. Maybe if she was truthful, it would come across as more genuine. Luke was already waiting for her, his feet kicked up on the front desk. She did her best to smile warmly, and he returned it. The extreme chains and bold colours of yesterday's outfit had been exchanged for a more relaxed look a dark sweater, baggy jeans, and combat boots. His hair was shaggy around his ears instead of slicked back, 
and he wasn't wearing as many rings. It was almost like he was trying to appease her, make her more comfortable around him. Her heart was racing. Let's go to my office, he told her, gesturing toward the curtain. His palm was hot on the small of her back, and she clamped down on her reflexive shudder. As they approached, she steeled herself for the worst. She didn't know what to prepare herself for, but she had to be alert, inspect anything that looked remotely helpful. This was the furthest she'd gone in Rudu Chas without breaking down doors. And judging by the way Tiki kept moving around in her purse, the Kwame was on edge, too. They passed several offices, each with a different, vague nameplate. Mamba, Python, Cobra none of them with obvious identification. They stopped in front of the last door, the nameplate slightly larger than the rest. Viper, it read. Luca led her into the room, closing the door behind them. Sorry, the seat's a bit cold at first. The chair in the center of the room reminded her of the dentist. She settled on the edge of the synthetic leather, fingernails digging into her palms as she tried to keep up her warm, trusting countenance. I've never gotten a tattoo before, she admitted, hoping her nervous laugh was more of a girlish giggle. Shocker, said Luca, smirking. He followed her stare to the row of needles and clicked his tongue. Don't worry about this stuff, yeah. Today we're just sketching. Marinette swallowed and smoothed down her skirt. Sketching doesn't sound so bad. It's not, I promise. Tapping his pencil against the notepad in his hand, he pulled up a stool and sat in front of her. If she moved slightly forward, their knees would touch. First things first, the canvas. Silence stretched before Marinette realized he wanted an answer. Eh hey, what? Luca's eyes were soft. Where do you want it? Right. She was supposed to know where she wanted the tattoo, the tattoo that would be branded onto her body if she went through with this. But if it got her more time with Luca, more time to root through back offices. Her mouth went dry. My collarbone, she said at last. Just below it, maybe. He hummed, sketching a border around the notepad. Color? You're the expert, here. Whatever you think is best. His shoulders rolled back, and Marinette knew she made the right call in handing over her control. If she wanted him to drop his guard, she needed him in his comfort zone. She needed him to think he had all the power. Luca scratched at the tattoo curling down his jaw. You told me you know what it feels like. Describe it to me. Marinette took a deep breath, folding and unfolding her hands. This was a facade, she knew. Her whole life was a facade even Adrian, as painfully oblivious as he could be, called it out for what it was. So what was the harm in injecting a little truth for once? Empty, she said. It's pretty, but it's hollow. Like, like something that wants to live but doesn't know how. A crease appeared in Luca's brow, and he tugged at his lip ring. A flower, he said, pencil rasping over the paper. Something strong but quiet, like it doesn't have to speak to be heard. A rose, maybe. Marinette nodded, mouth quivering. Exactly like a rose. The owl flew by without a hitch, 
It was ridiculous how easily his pencil adapted to her, how smoothly their ideas fit together. Marinette was smiling and playing with her hair, finding every opportunity to press a hand to his arm or lean her head toward his with the excuse of examining the sketch. And when Luca put a casual hand on her leg, Marinette knew he was eating up every bit of it. This was only laying groundwork for the real mission, though. Because as soon as Luca underestimated her experience, as soon as he left her alone, she'd be prepared. Whatever alliance Allery had with Second Skin, she would find it. Then it would be Ladybug's turn to bring the entire system down. Chapter 17 Let's get this party started. Adrian chucked his jacket in the direction of the coat rack, kicking off his shoes at the same time. He was sick of paparazzi, sick of feeling exposed every time he walked out of his house. Plague flew out of his collar. If you let me have those cameras, I can blow them all to smithereens in two seconds flat. Don't tempt me, Adrian muttered. Usually he didn't like coming home to a too big, too empty house, but now he was almost eager. Facing Marinette had taken more out of him than he thought it would. The way she could see through him so quickly, pick apart exactly what was bothering him, made him want to run and hide. The only reason he hadn't was because her expression matched his. He didn't intend to bring up her parents like that, but when she brushed aside his apology like he'd done nothing wrong, he needed something that would get a reaction a real reaction, not some hardened act. There was the risk she'd connect him with Chat Noir, but in the moment he didn't care. Seeing Marinette so closed off made his skin crawl, his stomach roiled with how wrong it felt. He didn't realize where he was going until Plague zipped in front of him, eyes narrowed. How many times are we going to do this? he asked. Do what? Adrian raised an eyebrow. Plague tilted his head to the side, to the drink cart almost within reach. Drown ourselves in alcohol while Ladybug takes on an army by herself. Lay off, Plague. I'm not going for a drink. But you were thinking about it. I'm serious, kid, we have to be done with this. Adrian scrubbed his hands down his face, not bothering to hide his eye roll. He was sick of being treated like he didn't know what he was doing, like he didn't know the consequences every time he picked up a glass. At the same time, part of him was scared that he hadn't stopped yet. Because he did know the consequences, and every time, he still went through with it. I'm grabbing lunch, he said dryly, pulling sandwich stuff out of the fridge. The sounds of crinkling plastic echoed off the walls, reminding him of how empty the house was. Granted, he hadn't grown up with a lot of people around him, but Natalie and his bodyguard were usually around the corner. Even the simple fact of another human sharing the same space as him was comforting, as silly as it sounded. He made a mental note to invite the study group over again, maybe without a dozen smashed dishes this time. His memories of the night were still fuzzy, but he remembered waking up to find Marinette in his room, curled up on the beanbag. Adrian wasn't a creep, but he couldn't help marveling at how different she looked. Her shoulders weren't so tense, the creases between her brow smoothed out. She was at peace. Until her eyelids fluttered open, and her mask of aloofness slipped back into place. He wanted to seek her out on his own, outside of the study group, but he had nothing to offer her. 
She had a bakery, a plan, a set way of life. All he brought was more problems, more issues to heap onto her life. Imagining what she went through when her parents died, with legal arrangements and a bakery to run, set Adrian's teeth on edge. And the idea of her going through it alone made him feel even worse. Not for the first time, he wished he stayed in Paris. Natalie would have dealt with his father, as she was doing now, and the paperwork for transferring Gabriel to the mental institution could have been done remotely. The more he thought about it, the harder it got to breathe. He messed up. He messed up so badly. He tried to focus on cutting tomatoes and laying lettuce over bread, but his mind kept jumping back to the bottles in his cabinet. Plaid was nowhere to be found, it would only take a second. There was no reason to say no. The speakers scattered throughout the mansion crackled to life, and he whipped his head toward the TV in the corner. Plagg held a remote control, the size difference between his paws and the block of plastic almost comical. Do you want to see where this is going, he said quietly. Adrian opened his mouth to retort, but Plagg was faster. He hit a button, and the TV flashed on. Insolent boy. The ghost of Gabriel Agrest flickered over the screen, and Adrian instinctively stumbled backward. It took a moment for him to understand what was going on. The security camera footage was black and white, but clear enough to make out the rage twisting Gabriel's countenance. He threw another vase across the foyer, and a shrill whimper filtered through the speakers. He hated the way his heart rate spiked, hated the way his fingers tightened on the granite countertop. It was after a photoshoot, he remembered. He'd stayed up writing a paper the night before, and the makeup team had to spend extra time on his dark circles. His father had been five minutes late to a meeting because of it. Father please, cried young Adrian, cowering under a side table. Even as they shook uncontrollably, he held his hands out to his father. As if surrendering to his anger would help anything. Adrian watched as Gabriel dragged him out by his hair, deaf to his choked sobs. That will be the last time you disobey me. All I ask for is competence, and I've yet to see anything good come out of my effort. If you cannot put in the work, you will not receive my respect. His backhand sent Adrian sprawling onto the floor, cowering against the marble as though it could swallow him whole. The cameras couldn't pick up Plague's image, but Adrian remembered how the Kwame had thrashed, fighting tooth and nail to escape Adrian's fist. Because no matter what Gabriel did to him, Plague's capabilities were a thousand times worse. His father was far from kind, but challenging him only made it worse. Plague had to be held back. He bit his lip hard enough to bleed as Gabriel carried out his fury. It was never enough to scar, never enough for evidence. Finally, his father put his wedding ring back on and left the room. The feed changed from the foyer to Gabriel's office. Adrian hadn't seen his father's office until the fateful day when he saw everything, and now that he understood, his throat closed up. Empty glasses littered the stacks of paperwork, dregs of amber liquid lingering at the bottoms. Gabriel plucked up a fresh glass and a large bottle, filling the cup until it was a centimetre from overflowing. Arrogance, he muttered between sips. 
He spun toward the tapestry hanging at the end of the room, the secret entrance to that wretched elevator. If only you knew, Emily. You'd forgive me, you would. It had to be done. Had to be done. He was all slurred speech and sudden movements, swaying into his chair like a man twice his age. The TV went black. Adrian didn't move away from the counter. Are you going to say anything? Plack finally asked, his expression more somber than irritated. His cheeks felt wet. Adrian wiped the back of his hand subtle beneath his eyes. I didn't know, he admitted, his voice rougher than intended. How could he? Do you think I'd do that? That I'd hit my kid? A wave of something akin to betrayal swelled in his chest, and his imagination ran wild with it, bruises on his son's face, fear in his daughter's eyes, blood smeared across that same foyer floor. His handprint on Marinette's arm. Master Fu wasn't the only one who chose you, said Plag slowly, tracking Adrian's every move. Ladybug is Ladybug because there's a light inside of her, a desire to create. Tiki doesn't have a hard time finding a holder, but for me. For me, the process is more painful. I don't understand. Adrian blinked, trying to stop the spinning in his head. Plague released a shallow breath. She's the god of creation, which means her holders find their value in what they can produce safety, hope, whatever. They can break things, but it's not their core. But me, I'm the god of destruction. Tiki protects her holders from the rest of the world, and I have to protect my holders from themselves. The hollowness in his tone chilled Adrian's blood. You're scared, he realized. Of course I'm scared. Plague flew up close to his face. Do you think all Chat Noirs died on the battlefield? No, most of them died in their bathtubs while the rest of their friends went about their lives. And what could I do for them? Watch, he spat. Adrian raised his chin, struggling not to fall apart beneath Plague's unyielding gaze. First Ladybug, then Marinette, and now Plague he was terrifying everyone around him, and for what? For a fleeting moment of numbness, for a respite from thinking, for a break. Because he was alone and it was the only way to bear it. But in the aftermath of Plague's words, Adrian recognized the facts he missed before. That he wasn't alone, Plague and Ladybug were both counting on him. Marinette, as much as she denied it, needed someone supporting her in the absence of her family. Emmanuel and Javier and the rest of the boys were waiting for the next football match, Paris itself was depending on him, and he had the gall to spend his time in a stupor. I am not my father. Then, because the memories hit him all over again, he snarled, I am not my father. Plague was still watching him warily, so Adrian tore across the room. The drink cart was a blur in his red-rimmed vision. All he knew was fury, hatred, every emotion visible on his father's features. He threw the cart across the room, listening to the bottles shatter against the marble. There was no one to hear it but him and Plague. The ghost of Gabriel's voice mingled with it, the sickening impact of knuckles against bone. Shoulders rising and falling with his heavy breathing, Adrian stalked toward the broken bottles, his gaze catching on the ones that were still intact. He held them against the wall, 
the contents splashing over his father's prized paintings. But he couldn't stop, even as his ears rang. Because if he stopped, Adrian was afraid he'd never start again. His fear was potent enough to taste, to cut through the sharp scent of alcohol dousing the room. When all the bottles were broken, he started smashing the biggest pieces, unwilling to stop until every last piece of his weakness was nothing but dust and history. It was only when Plague stepped in that Adrian felt the pain. All right, kid, you proved your point, shouted the god. Despite his annoyed countenance, Adrian thought he heard a shred of relief. Go clean up before you accidentally chop off your hand. Adrian wiped his palms against his shirt, blood dripping in rivulets down his wrists. After I bandage these, we're patrolling, he told Plague. Plague scoffed, and it was as good as a smile. If we have to. In the shadows of the warehouse, men were unloading a truck. Allery was nowhere to be seen, but his stench of wealth was everywhere the brand of the cargo truck, the numerous cameras hidden throughout the area, the quality of the rifles each man carried. And despite it all, Chat Noir remained unseen. He prowled silently along the cramped buildings, drifting through the scene like some forgotten phantom. If anyone so much as moved in his direction, he slid fluidly to the next perch. He kept his eyes and ears wide open, gleaning as much information as he could. The truck was unlabeled, but he caught a tiny seagull stamped on the corner of the crates being unloaded. A blue snake, coiled into itself. A little while passed before Chat caught another scent beyond the heavy cologne of Allery's men ink. Another group was making their way toward the warehouse, the newcomers decked out in leather and combat boots. Chat absently wondered if they were copying his style. Crouched low against the rooftop, he drew out his baton and held his breath. What are you lowlifes doing here? sneered the biggest of Allery's men, shifting his rifle further into his grasp. The figure at the front of the group laughed slowly, a black hood obscuring his features. I'm checking in on my goods, making sure your boss is keeping his word. Are you calling him a liar? Despite the vicious way he spoke, Allery's man rested a finger against the trigger. The hooded man made him nervous, then. Just being thorough, he said, hands slipped into his pockets. Chat didn't show how comfortable he was with a gun pointed at his chest a sure sign he had something over Allery. Did Ladybug know of the other group at play? He thought about calling her, but the atmosphere was too tense. He couldn't give himself away. It didn't help that the newcomers all wore long sleeves and hoods, making them nearly impossible to tell apart. The only scent he could get off them was ink and salt water, neither of which was very helpful. The armed man blew out an exasperated breath. For a dude named Viper, you sure are fussy. Nonetheless, he jerked his thumb toward one of the crates. That one's not set up yet, have at it. Head dipping in the slightest nod, Viper swept across the asphalt. His followers stepped up to open the crate, stepping back to let Viper survey its contents. Unbeknownst to all of them, Chat was doing the same. There were a dozen syringes, at the least. He couldn't understand the acronyms printed across the medical labels, but he recorded them into his baton as quickly as he could. 
His guess was tranquilizers for their trafficking operations, or maybe some high-level drugs demanded by the rich and famous Ellery certainly had the connections to accomplish both. I appreciate your hospitality, said Viper, and his men replaced the lid of the crate. Allery's men tracked them as far as the next block, their heartbeat slowing as the leather-clad group turned a corner. Creep, one muttered before returning to unload the truck. With one last frown, Chat abandoned his perch in favor of chasing down the strangers. Unlike Allery's men, Viper and his followers were careful about being seen, careful to stay in the gutters and out of the streetlights. Chat didn't spot them until they stopped in front of a storefront in the rough part of the city. Keep an eye on those guys, Viper was saying, the half-dozen men surrounding him in silent rapture. Allery doesn't know me yet, he's not familiar with how we work. I don't trust him. Then he drew back his hood, and Chat froze. Luca Kufain shook out his hair, the side of his face littered with dark whirls and silver studs. If not for the telltale shade of his hair, Chat might not have recognized him. Should we put a guard on your girl? One of the men asked. A veil of darkness passed over Luca's features. She stays out of this. But with how often she comes around Dash. Unless you've heard otherwise, Marinette is perfectly safe. He raised a menacing brow. Have you heard otherwise? Chat's heart pounded furiously into his ribs, threatening to crack them wide open. If not for the evident connection between Luca and whatever Allery had planned, he would drop down and break Luca against the pavement. The thought of Marinette coming this close to the harbour without telling anyone, without anyone knowing the kind of danger she was in, filled him with a dread too powerful to explore. Half of him wanted to confront her about it as Chat Noir, but if he knew Marinette, he knew she wouldn't tell him about whatever was going on. He'd have to use other means if he wanted to protect her. The man bowed his chin. No, boss. You don't have to worry about anything. If Allery tries anything, we'll be there to stop him. You'd better, said Luca and disappeared into the storefront. The neon letters buzzed to life, reading Second Skin. How original. Chat stayed close by for another hour or so, doing his best to familiarize himself with the area. There were far too few side streets leading from Second Skin, too few escape routes. If he confronted Luca now, the chances he got out unscathed were slim, and he'd definitely blow his cover. His best bet was to stay hidden, to keep tabs on the situation and piece together what he could. That way, he and Ladybug could tackle the problem together. Right now, his biggest concern was Marinette. She had no idea how dangerous Luca was, the sort of threat he posed. He had to get her out of the situation, before Luca caught on. Chapter 18 My patience is waning, is this entertaining? Marinette spent the first half of the week on edge. Her daily interactions with Luca were getting easier to manage, mostly because Luca was intent on making her comfortable. They'd finally finished up the drawing, and it was almost ready to be inked into her skin. That tray of needles moved closer and closer to their chair, and Luca found more opportunity to brush his hands over hers. It was a miracle she hadn't crumpled under the pressure yet. Their session on Tuesday had been interrupted by Luca's phone ringing.
With an apologetic smile, he stepped out of the room to answer it, his voice taking on a darker tone than he used with her. She waited until his footsteps faded down the hallway before lunging for the desk in the corner of the room. The only evidence Olya's threat had left behind was a randomly generated email account, one she quickly typed into the search bar of Luca's computer. When nothing appeared, she pulled up the master log of his internet history and went to work. Her experience as a vigilante had forced her to pick up a few things about computers, so it wasn't long before the damning information flashed across the scene. She managed to snap a few photos of it before Tiki yanked at her shoestrings. Quick, Marinette, she hissed, and Marinette stumbled back into the chair. Luca entered the room a split second afterward, glaring down at his phone. Then he looked up, and the anger was gone. I think we're done for the day. We don't have much left, just the final sketch and a stencil. Are you getting excited? A bit, she said. Though I'll miss seeing you all the time. The words felt like acid in her throat, but they somehow came out smooth. She watched as the furrow in Luca's brow melted into tenderness, and he took his lip ring between his teeth. You don't have to be getting a tattoo to come see me, he told her shyly, cheeks reddening beneath the black swirls of ink. The flutter in her chest felt too real, and she swallowed down the bile in her throat. She had to do this for Olya, for Paris' safety. Whatever Luca was involved in, Marinette had to know about. She'd be a fool to pass up on the opportunity lying in front of her. Oh, she said and tucked a piece of hair behind her ear. By Wednesday, she hadn't budged from her place at Olya's side. She left lectures early to pick up Olya, sat as close to her as possible during meals, and didn't leave her unless Nino or Adrian was in the room. Nino raised an eyebrow as she practically sprinted back to their usual table. Dude, you okay? You're jumpier than usual. Fine, said Marinette, squishing herself up against Olya. Sandwich between her and Nino, Olya rolled her eyes but didn't protest. She knew the gravity of the situation, the reason Marinette was so concerned. Luca hadn't sent any more death threats, but she wasn't taking any chances. She also hadn't told Olya that Luca was the suspected mastermind behind the email. If Olya knew, she'd call the police and Luca's business would go underground. All her work would be for nothing. She'd already sacrificed too much to risk upsetting it all. Besides, with her around, Olya was safe from whatever may come. And if, for any reason, she couldn't protect her, Chat Noir was a phone call away. If he was sober, that was. Adrian was alone on the other side of the booth, three textbooks strewn around his plate. He switched between picking at his scone and poring over the lines, the frustrated scrunch of his nose never fading. Besides that day he confronted her in the bakery, they hadn't spoken beyond the surface level asking him to pass the salt, comparing notes from a certain lecture. The things she talked about with Olya and Nino. Still, the way his gaze periodically flicked toward her, as if to check she hadn't left, made his presence feel different than the others. Not better or worse, just more perceptive. She was waiting for him to announce her secret to the group, for her precarious house of cards to finally come crashing down. He hadn't hinted to it at all, 
though, not even as some snide reminder of his power over her. That didn't make her any less agitated. How about we all drop out and live with Adrian for the rest of our lives? Nino groaned, throwing down his pen. Tempting, Olya murmured, but I'd rather pay for my own house, thank you. Nino flashed her a cheeky grin. What if I pay for your house? Olya frowned. Why would you buy me a house? At the following silence, Marinette stole a glance to her side. Olya was scowling at her phone, completely oblivious to Nino's embarrassed flush. It was odd to think they'd been together since high school, that in college, their relationship could legally go beyond dating. Now marriage was an option an option Nino was already considering. Marinette tore her gaze away to find Adrian's eyes glittering with the same hidden knowledge. The corner of his mouth tugged up in amusement, but he didn't say a word. In a way, it was nice to have someone else to third wheel with. The fact he enjoyed paying for all their meals didn't hurt, either. Her homework load was obscene, but this was the best time to work through all of it. Her afternoons were consumed with paperwork and inventory for the bakery, and her evenings were set aside for patrolling. The past few were eerily quiet, as though the city was holding its breath before imploding. Ladybug was needed now more than ever. Even Chatnor was coming out more often, spotted by fans throughout the city. She could only marvel at the thoroughness of his recent roots. Maybe in the beginning she had as much energy, but certainly not now. Now she was more focused on investigating minor offences instead of looking at the city as a whole, living thing. Chat never had trouble bringing out Paris beauty, and that skill hadn't dulled over time. More and more, she caught herself smiling fondly at the skyline instead of scowling. Adrian's shoulders rolled back, catching her attention. The tension was written across his expression, the muscle twitching in his jawline. She tracked his stare to the front of the cafe, and her stomach sank. Lucas stuffed his hands in the pockets of his leather jacket, smiling faintly as he walked toward her. Olya was pinching her arm, but Marinette couldn't move. Luca was a home Marinette problem, a ladybug problem. He existed in Rudy Chas, she only had to worry about him if she was sitting in that tattoo chair. This wasn't how it was supposed to be. How did he even know where she went to school? She told him she was at university, sure, but not the actual name of it. She wouldn't betray Olya and Nino's safety like that, but he was here, he was standing right in front of her. He knew where Olya was, he could get to her and there was nothing Marinette could do to hide her from him. It took every shred of energy to plaster on a pleasant countenance. What are you doing here so early? she asked. Figured I'd walk you, he told her with a too casual shrug. She didn't miss the once over he shot Adrian, who was bristling in his seat. Nice to see you Luca, said Olya, peering out from behind Marinette's shoulder. I didn't realize you and Marie were hanging out. How long have you had those tattoos? He raised his forearm like it was the first time he noticed them. It's been a while. Trying to keep her hands from shaking, Marinette started packing up her things. There was no use arguing with him, she had to get him off campus as fast as she could. Hold on, where are you going? Adrian was on his feet, 
arms hanging tense at his sides. Luca turned to him lazily. We have an appointment. That wasn't supposed to start for another hour, Marinette corrected. Adrian was looking at her, but she didn't dare meet his eyes, afraid of what she might give away. Before she could pick up her backpack, Luca grabbed it and slung it over his shoulder. Unlike her, his back didn't bow with the weight of her books. Have you told them about the design yet? he inquired. Design for what? Olia demanded, and Marinette repressed a sharp inhale. This wasn't how it was supposed to go, they weren't supposed to know. We're working on a tattoo together, said Luca, and Marinette bit her lip. Today's the stencil part, and it'll be done by tomorrow. Shocked laughter broke from Nino and Olia's side of the booth, but Adrian was made of stone. Marinette could hear the tightness of his breathing, and she shuddered to think what it meant. Olia's lips parted, shifting into a mock pout. Murray, when were you going to tell me you were getting a tattoo? You never asked. She wanted this to end, she needed to move Luca out of the cafe, out of their cafe. But Luca slipped his fingertips just below the collar of her shirt, coming to rest on the warm skin of her shoulder. She wanted nothing more than to shove him away, but she couldn't destroy everything she worked so hard for. She couldn't break her little act. Thankfully, Adrian was there to do it for her. He was taller than Luca, his build wider and his glare sharper. But when his gaze bounced to her, the question clear, she pursed her mouth and shook her head an inch. Slowly, keeping Luca in his sights, Adrian lowered back down to his books and half-eaten scone. Marinette's skin stung where Luca touched her, and she took a subtle step back. Luca mercifully dropped his hand. Let's go, she said with a tight smile, hooking her elbow in his. And though it unnerved her, she was grateful for Adrian's lingering stare trailing after her. It was proof someone else was watching out for her, someone else knew what was going on. That way if anything happened, there was a record. She was starting to wonder if she was in over her head.